He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story. Out of nowhere. Before a bridge keeper now. About to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 53 of A Good Talk Spoiled. I'm James Richardson and I'm delighted to say again this week I'm joined by Barry. Hey Barry. Hey James, how's it going? Um, thanks a million for all your comments and uh, tweets that we received over the week. If you'd like to get in touch with us uh, about anything golf related or anything generally, you can through our Twitter handle which is uh, hashtag podcast GTS. It's an app podcast GTS. You can give us a hashtag as well. Okay, there you go. My notes are wrong this week. So, <laughs> uh, at podcast GTS and uh, a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. Am I right about that email address? Yeah. Yes, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, at podcast GTS. Um, 50% social media and regulation. Yeah, well, you can tell I don't use Twitter all that much. Uh, I just hashtag everything these days. Well, anyway, hashtag our own games, Barry. How was yours over the weekend? Uh, potential for excellence but uh, ultimately a couple of short putts let me down and one poorly played hole but I finished two under uh, my handicap so can I just point out that your poorly played hole was the 12th hole of 12 when you were already two under and you took the wrong club on the the tee box Uh, not necessarily it was drivable I was trying to go back to back drivable par fours you're two under you're two under and you're standing, and all you have to do is to walk off with a birdie. And it's a very short par four, down over a hill, and you blocked it all the way right. And very close to going out of bounds. No, it's true. Um, but look, I don't, I don't like playing... I don't try not to play defensive golf, because when you make defensive swings, you make poor swings. I was trying to keep attacking the way, and play the way I played throughout the whole round. So I just, you never take the driver around the 12th hole normally. Yeah, but the wind was favourable that day. It was off the right, so I just needed to hit my standard fade and just hold it up against it as it turns out it wouldn't have made any difference because you wouldn't have won no I would have needed an eagle too so it turns out driving the green driving going for the green one was the right choice but uh, no it was it was um, it was a high scoring weekend on the course as in good scores Stableford wise um, when our, the wind switches out of the north in our place it's not the regular wind and the scores tend to get a bit better yeah so. unlike mine uh, I brought my Z game with me at the weekend, but I kind of dragged myself around, even playing badly. So and I played driver, really badly. Your driver yeah. saving you well at the moment. Like you're hitting your driver well. Yeah, I the driver in the short game. I've I've gone back to this idea of using the seven iron around the greens and chip mm. and running, and uh, I've gotten up and down quite quite a few times. But anyway, it's only the start of the season. I'm not overly bothered. I'm kind of at stop start at the moment. Probably didn't help that I had to do a. 120 uh, miles an hour down the road to get to the golf club on time on Saturday and I ran up the hill before I was disqualified so probably not the greatest warm up but anyway onwards and upwards next week there's always next week Uh, going back to my favourite topic which is Twitter uh, (laughs) hashtag podcast at GTS Uh, Barry we've had a few uh, tweets in this week that you uh, you want to bring to our attention Uh, yeah yeah we're we're in trouble um Thanks to Hugh Simpkin, he called us out, uh, called me out on being critical of Tiger, wanting to see him struggle just so we feel better on our own games. And um, just, just to say, like, that's obviously only a joke. Like, we hate to see Tiger struggle. And 
if you listen back to the podcast, you know we're huge fans of his, and uh, it's just it sucks to see him going through what he's going through at the moment. I don't know if it was you that said it or I said it, but I'll let you take the blame. I'll jump on the grenade. But, um, it's okay. It's okay. But I think the comment I had made was there is something that deep down in all amateur golfers take a little bit of pleasure out of seeing a pro do something badly, so that it makes you feel better. In, in a weird, perverse way, it does. Yeah, I mean, it just. It, you see that they're fallible as well. So when you make a mistake in your own game, you kind of learn not to be so infuriated with yourself because if somebody who's one of the best in the world can do it, then you know there's kind of a, oh, it does happen to everyone. Well, so. somebody in the top 70 anyway. <laughs> we'll, we'll come on to that. Uh, there was another comment uh, tweet that, that also was uh, admonishing oh, yeah. our... Uh, Craig, Craig Gibson got in touch with us and... Um, Rightly called us out on not mentioning Lydia Ko and her phenomenal achievement of getting to world number one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she's now the youngest person, man or woman, to hold the world number one spot at 17 years old. And she went and put on a great performance on Sunday on the back nine to hold on to her one, world number one spot. So she's been there for two weeks now. Well, I'll jump on the grenade of that because in fairness, Barry, you put the agenda together and it was on our agenda, but I accidentally missed it last week. So I apologize, uh, Greg. Um, you know, it is uh, it is some achievement um, for for any player um, to get there and to get there so young and to be the youngest ever in history. It's it's an incredible achievement. And um, that was going to be the start off of the news section, which I was going to say, great news. Lydia Ko became the youngest golfer in history. But I'll move on to sad news, which is that Billy Billy Casper died aged eighty three. And uh, I have to admit that when I heard this during the week. I kind of scratched my head and went, I know the name, but mm. I probably didn't quite appreciate how good a golfer he was. And looking at some of the numbers, three-time major winner, 51 PGA Tour wins, sixth best, eight consecutive Ryder Cups, undefeated in all of them, Ryder Cup captain in 1979, and uh, who and he won that year. And uh, I was reading a few quotes during the week that basically said if it wasn't for Jack uh, Arnie Palmer and Gary Player, who would have probably been regarded as the best of his generation. Mm-hmm. It's tough to break through when, when those are the three uh, three names that are against you. Oh, yeah, up the top of the leaderboard as well. I mean, I I was kind of similar to yourself. Like I knew the name and knew he was a very successful golfer back in the day. But it was only when you know when reading through the stories, I, I realized how incredible he was as a as a golfer. Um, it's just, I suppose most notably the, or the one, the one tournament that a lot of uh, t- people are referencing in relation to him it was his 1966 US Open win, which was uh, over Ar- Arnold Palmer. He was seven shots back going into the back nine on the final day, and the two of them tied and went into an 18-hole playoff the next day, and he beat him in that. So I mean, that's just a ridiculous comeback for a win. It really is, and and there was two things that I found this week very interesting when I was reading about Billy Casper. One was that he has won, he's only behind Jack and Arnold Palmer, that he's the only player to have won 60, uh, sorry, one tournament in 16 consecutive years on the PGA, and Jack and Arnie are only one year better. They won a tournament in 17 consecutive seasons on the PGA, and I just thought, do you know what, when... When you put it in our generation of your mm. of your Phils and your Tigers and your you know all of these guys, like it's it's unbelievable. And the other bit, just going back to the fifty one PGA Tour wins, this puts it in perspective. Other than Tiger, who's obviously just behind Jack at number two, 
the nearest current player. Actually, I'll ask you this, Barry. Who's the nearest current player of PGA Tour wins that's still active? Phil Mickelson. You're right. It is Phil. And he's got 42 wins. Yeah. So, like, he's got to go 9, 10 more to beat. To beat. And, like, the way the Phil's playing at the moment, you'd, you'd struggle to see where he's going to get 10 more victories. Yeah, yeah. But, so, um, yeah, it's amazing that his name isn't as famous... In, you know, in golf talk circles as the other big guys, you know, like Palmer, Nicholas, player. Well, I heard the lads on Sky Sports talking about this and they were saying that uh, Jack, Arnie Palmer and Gary Player all had the same PR management company and Billy Casper wasn't involved in that. Mm-hmm. And those guys were promoted to the hilt as a package of three. And whatever way that he just kind of ended up kind of falling out. It was a sideshow or just not even. But the other comment, I suppose I said I had two comments. And one was um, about the the 16 consecutive years. The second one is Jack's very nice comment this week about Billy Casper that said whenever he was in a major tournament and he was going down the stretch, he would always look for Billy's name on the leaderboard because he would see him as one of the big, big threats to a tournament. Wow. And that, that from somebody who said... That he tried not to focus on what other people were doing. In yeah, majors. but we don't he, believe he, a lot of his major. No, but he said a lot of his majors got handed to him rather than him going and actively winning them. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a quote that's so out there. So de- definitely have a look. Um, as I say, I understand there's a book, and I haven't I haven't checked it out, but I I hope to, uh, and I think it's called The Big Three and Me, which is um, Billy Casper's autobiography, which is meant to be amazing. So. And that might be a bit of beach reading uh, on the honeymoon in a few few months' time. And um, talking about um, the end of another long saga, which is the Rory show and Horizon show. We thought last week I said it. I think it was on air that I thought they were trying to settle. Yeah. And um, and they did settle. It took it took the day, but they did settle it. Um, certain figures are being banded around of somewhere between twenty and twenty five million dollars that Rory's going to pay Horizon to get out of the contract. It's probably, you know, it's it's really realistically all he's paying is what he would have owed for the the the, uh, the Nike um, the Nike yeah, contract. Plus twenty percent of from that then until now that he would have been paying them if they were with him. Well, no, it was a hundred. It was a hundred dollar deal that Nike did with hundred million. Hundred million, yeah. um, and he had a twenty percent clawback mm-hmm. from a, to Horizon for any okay. deal. So he's basically paid that what he was, legal. you know. So. Do you know what? It's, it, I think it's sensible. You don't want to have the, the, the media circus that was yeah, going around yeah. with Rory. It would have just gotten uncouth and unnecessary. And we said that last week. You just want to, you just want to get this gone, done with, finished, over. And, and at the end of the day, it's not, um, Rory earned somewhere just under 50 million last year. So look, it's, it's done and dusted. It's out of the way. Do it's, you know what? it's a drop in the pond for him now. It, it, it's far better doing that. Yeah. Write the check. It's, it's probably like twenty dollars to everybody else. You know, to him, yeah. it uh, it frees him up. It also he's confirmed this week that he's going to play at the Arnold Palmer Invitational in Florida on the nineteenth to the twenty second of March. It wasn't on his original schedule, mm. but he's decided to to go there. And Garney must be threatening him a bit more. He said he'd chop his arm off a few years ago if he didn't come play the next year, and he hasn't played. But I, I think he's. Uh, but he's got there eventually. Yeah, anyway, the, fear so. fine, the fear is finally struck him and he's got to go play it. Well, I think it's great. He's going to start back. Even though he's kind of finished um, with the case, he had all 
already decided that he wasn't going to start playing again. I think he comes back for the Honda Classic on the 26th of February. That's mm. his debut in the States. So, yeah. um, obviously a tournament that he's had highs and lows at <laughs> over the years. <laughs> but uh, hopefully he won't have a toothache and uh, we'll see it through. It was the one he won with that amazing final round and the, the huge bomb of a putt on the final green, wasn't it? It was. It yeah. was his first... PGA US Tour PGA win. Tour victory, I think, uh, and then obviously the following year it, it kind of went from bad to worse. But talking about bad to worse, and I have to say I'm throwing this in because I got a bit of a laugh at this when I read it. Uh, Ian Poulter's car being towed after he went for dinner on Friday <laughs> night at a Korean restaurant. He uh, so anybody who hasn't seen this, uh, Ian Poulter, who was taking part in the Farmers Insurance last week in Torrey Pines, had headed off with his caddy. Uh, to a Korean restaurant nearby, he parked outside in the tournament courtesy car. So I love this mm. bit because, like, who gives a shit if it's not your car? And um, he parked it in a in a spot which he thought was a sign for the the restaurant. He went off. The guy who saw him park was the attendant. Didn't say anything to him. He comes back and the guy basically says, "Yeah, your car's been towed." Um, so and that he was the one who called the towing company. So he definitely got a cut of how much the towing company were paying. Well, I think they I, probably they must have had a reciprocal deal with them or something. I, I think I think Ian Poulter's comments was basically this guy basically said that. Yeah. You know, because Ian said I got out of the car, the guy was standing there. He saw me park. He clearly knew I was in the wrong place. He saw me going into the restaurant. When yeah. I came back, my car was gone. I went to the same guy and said. Here, mate, my car's been nicked. Yeah. And he goes, no, it hasn't been. It's been towed. He goes, what the hell? He goes, you're in an unassigned sea, uh, space. Um, and on that basis, I got it towed. <laughs> um, what I love is he couldn't get it back from the impound yard because he didn't have any documentations to prove he owned it. Yeah, because so he was a loner for the week. Yeah, so he just went back to the tournament office and threw back the keys and told them <laughs> that it was in the impound yard. But uh, it was it, it, it made me laugh anyway. Um. Moving on to last week's tournaments, and myself and Barry have decided that we're going to, uh, you know, basically because uh, I think it was um, Greg Gibson, just for you, we're going to have a quick 30 seconds on the Pure Silk Bahamas LPGA Classic at the Atlantis, Atlantis Resort Ocean Club in Paradise Island in the Bahamas. I would just love to play there regardless. That just sounds delicious just delightful that title of that club yeah it sounds amazing you know you, you can just you can just imagine the food is great the hotel is wonderful it's brilliant you know two swimming pools a few water sides to relax after the round and well and the pure silk title as well you just you, 22 year old miss a putt there well no probably not well i'll tell you who didn't miss a putt and that was 22 year old uh si young kim from south korea who won her first lpga tour title one of the reasons we don't do LPGA tours is because I'll never get their names yeah. right. But anyway, Which I think we should actually increase the amount of coverage <laughs> and maybe do the LET as well. Uh, so anyway, she she won her first PGA Tour title um, after making an eight foot putt on the first playoff hole. You didn't see this live, Barry, but I think you looked at a couple of highlights, did you? Uh, no, I missed the highlights in this one. Oh, sorry, it's the next one. Yeah. It's the Malaysian Open that you watched. Sorry. So the Malaysian Maybank Malaysian Open in Kuala Lumpur. Barry, yeah. you watched a few of the highlights Moving because it was on during the morning. On. Yes, I did. Yeah, this was on, uh, um, obviously, in Kuala Lumpur. So uh, in the middle of the night for us. So it was, you know, go to, go to bed see after you know a couple of holes have been played on the leaderboard and wake up and the results are all done. Uh, Anurban Lahiri went ballistic on the weekend and shot 62-68 to win by one from Bernd Wiesberger 
who has been playing some seriously hot golf the last few weeks. He's been he's uh, finished top six in his last four events. So he must be wondering what he has to do to actually win a tournament at this stage. Well, just going back to the winner, um, it's some difference. Three months ago, he was preparing for a trip to qualifying skill final stage in an attempt to earn yeah. a full European tour card for the first time in his career. And uh, fast forward a few few months and he's now a uh, European tour winner. Oh, yeah, European inverted commas tour winner. Yeah, uh, European slash Asian tours. Uh, but it was British. a decent field in fairness. The, the, you know, it wasn't. Like Westwood obviously was defending. You know, Peter Lowry, McGinley was there, McGrain. There was a Weisberger. There was, there was decent players there. So some, it wasn't. Some good names there. You know, strong enough field for a, a tournament out that part of the world on the European tour. You know, look, the Heeries now is the top 50 of the world. Gets to, you know, that's into that exclusive club of invites to every tournament. He's going to, going to Augusta. He is going you know, to Augusta. He's going to the WGC. The WGC, yeah. Or uh, just somebody else who's not going to that. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But, um, yeah, look, it's a great win. Um, gives him his European tour card for two years. So, no stress of Q school. Um, happy days. Lee Westwood started really fast. Kind of went off the boil over the weekend. Um, his notable achievement for the week is that he's gone to the top of the career earnings list on the European Tour with thirty and a half million. Um, just to note, Rory is sitting at twenty four point three million euros. So it's just a matter of probably or, or three what, or four events before Rory takes it. Or, or what I call the, the the checkbook being sent to Horizon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Rory can just live on his endorsements, which is not too bad. And um, the Irish guys, yeah, as you mentioned, they're out there. Peter Laurie had his best finish for. Got two and a half years, banked himself a nice check of like thirty five grand, so it's going to keep him on tour for or pay his tour costs for a few months, and while he can uh, you know search for a few more invites um, from sponsors, uh, he's also got him into the top top eighty, I think, in the race to Dubai. So it's good, you know, taking nice steps towards trying to get his tour card back or his full tour card back. It was nice to see Paul McGinley, who's had a few problems with the knees, mm. got the full four rounds in. Uh, he was given out about the course. Yeah, well... Yeah, he didn't realise it was uh, hilly as... Yeah, uh, he thought it was quite a flat course. I, I blame the caddy if I was him. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's good to see him, good to see him out playing and, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll, go, he'll go find the courses that will match his game and give him the best chance of succeeding. Well, it's just nice to see him back because, yeah. obviously, it took an awful lot of his time doing the Ryder Cup over the last while and he really wanted to dedicate himself to that. Mm. So And with the knees and everything, it's nice to see him back because he is... He's one of those great guys on tour that you just you do enjoy watching him, and he's always there mm. to give a, a long interview about what's going I'd on. I'd say if you're a young player on tour, you'd do well to go find Paul McGinley and buy him dinner and get a bit of his time and just absorb the advice from all his experience. Yeah, no, I couldn't uh, couldn't agree with you more. Um, and uh, Paul, if you're listening and you want to come on our show and give us amateurs a uh, a few tips, we'll, we'll certainly uh, sort that out. We'll buy a pack of teas or something. Yeah, we might stretch to a pack a box of Pro V ones or something. Um, Farmers Insurance Open, Torrey Pines, San Diego, California. Nice place to be at this time of the year when it's been freezing cold in Ireland. But um, I was going to start with Jason Day winning, but I don't think that's really where the story is this mm. weekend. We start on day one. Day one, yeah. Thursday, Tiger. 
can only be there isn't a week that goes by that Tiger Woods doesn't make it onto this podcast at some level. Yeah. He's getting very greedy with the headlines. You know, it's just a new thing each week. He's keeping us on our toes. You know, he's not just rehashing the same story. It's it's something big and different. Last week it was the yips. This week it was the glutes. It was the glutes. Uh, the the gluteus maximuses have not been uh, working well for him. So anyway, for people who don't, who have been living under a rock or possibly on the other side of the or moon, been in the golf course without their phone. True. Uh, Tiger Woods playing his first, pro- well, kind of, well, second tournament. Mm. Two rounds, misses the cut, goes to the Tory Pines. He's hoping to get four rounds under his belt. He doesn't even make one round under his belt. Pulls out after 12 holes, twinging his back. It's not the same problem with no. the back, I don't think, but, you know, any problem with the back. A few comments this week. Few, uh, few, few comments from I mean, a few people. Everyone just, has an opinion. Go just, on, Barry. The, the quote's just, the quote's just too funny. Like, what? Are you, where is it? I have it here. No, I deleted it somewhere. Well, what did I start? He just said he couldn't activate his glutes, which is just—it's such a weird thing. There was a, there was a, there was an hour and a bit delay because of the sea fog. So he'd done all his warm up and then buying his tea times delayed. And he said in that little bit of downtime that they were delayed going onto the course, his body got a bit cold <laughs> and it. His glutes didn't activate, which which exposed his lower back, and he couldn't rotate. And you could see he was in trouble from the second hole on. And he well, there was, was, a, there was all a, over the place. It was a long three wood out of very long grass, which really looked looked uh, very wincing. Yeah. But um, I don't the bit that you're saying there about him co- cooling down. I don't get that as a pro. Like yeah. if he's so concerned about his back, and he's got an hour or an hour and a half to lay. Why not go through your routine again? I know, you know, I know, like I know, these guys can go back in. You know, he's he didn't go straight from the clubhouse to the first tee, and if he did, then he only has himself to blame. In yeah. my in my opinion, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't have been back doing the stretches or back in the locker room doing a bit of Pilates mm. or yoga or whatever it was to keep the glutes uh, loose and, and and. I mean, you have to ask yourself: has he has he come back too soon then, without his body being fully fit and fully prepped? I mean, if 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 anybody follows skiing, they'll know that Lindsay Varm has come back in the last few weeks, his girlfriend, and she's gone back to skiing. And you know, she's now surpassed the record number of wins on the the World Cup ski tour, and she's overplaying the world. She's over skiing the World Championships in the States at the moment. Has he tried to mirror her recovery timeline and come back too soon? What I love is not only are we covering the LPGA now, we're also doing the, the world the World Cup in slalom. But this is the thing, right? So Hank Hanley. Uh, Haney said this week that, and I'm going to read this quote, he said, his being Tiger Woods' number one priority should be making a swing where he doesn't hurt himself. And I thought that was the whole, uh, I thought that's what this whole biomechanical thing was going to be all about. He was going to make a swing that didn't hurt him. So this obviously has been an epic failure. And when you look at the amount of time that he's been working and he's already hurt again, do you agree with those comments? It's been an epic failure? Or was it just down to stupidity of not keeping warm? I don't Well, we all know you can you could turn your neck the wrong way quickly and, and pull something. It's very, you know, we're, very, we're all very susceptible to injury as humans. And the more finer tuned you are, the, the more likely something tiny can go wrong with you. Look, everybody has an opinion on this, uh, you know... He's doing this wrong. He's doing that wrong. One pro, one, you know, one pro will say another thing. One golf commentator will say another. 
we, we we both have our opinions as well. I mean, I just postulated that he came back too soon. Who has the right answer? Tiger Woods. He's the guy who has the right answer. But this is a guy who's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. A guy who at one stage was going to be the first billionaire sports person mm. in, in history. He will be. And you're looking at a guy who can afford the best and the brightest around him. How has he not got somebody who's there looking specifically at, are you warmed up enough? Are you ready to go? Mm. Because I think I put it down to not what happened out in the course, but obviously something before he went out. The preparation was wrong. The preparation bit was wrong. Now, on the basis that it's not the same injury as as the last time, which is good for golf and it's good for Tiger, Mm -hmm. it has to come down to the preparation and not warming up in time. So in my opinion... That can only be. It's not. It's not the new coach's fault. It's not the swing, you know, because no. it doesn't matter. In my opinion, it doesn't. From what I've read this week, it doesn't really matter what swing he had, whether it be the Butch Harmon swing, mm. or whether it be the Haney swing, or whether it be the new swing. It doesn't really matter if he's not warmed up and he goes out to to swing like he did. Yeah, it looked to me like it was an inevitable reality to him. And with some of the highest, like with his highest swing speed since 2008 as well. I mean, he he certainly has immense speed through the ball in the last couple of weeks, as we've seen. Um, look, I think, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he needs a full-time physio just to, with a checklist before he goes. Have you done this? Have you done this? Warm him up there. Do that, do that. And it's, uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, you're talking about his swing, actually, if anyone gets... Quick chance, two minutes to just jump on our Twitter. We've tweeted this. Peter Costas did a brilliant little swing analysis of the four Tiger swings, like 2000, 2008, 2013, and 2015. And the two middle ones, like the 20, 2008 and the 2013 ones, are so fast. And he's just saying that it was all body-led rather than you know a, a nice flowing arm swing. And what he did say was looking good for Tiger at this time round is that the swing looks a lot more flowy and less kind of jerky and led by the body so he said he sees a bit of light at the end of the tunnel so it is about him just being able to be injury free and get a few weeks of playing golf and Brandel Chamley alluded to that he thinks he just needs to get out and play golf and stop worried about stop worrying about being a perfectionist and kind of a golfing robot you know he said golf is an art it's not a science and you know it's along the lines he just needs to get out and play golf and have fun with it well a guy who was meant to have the yips uh, around the short uh, the, 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 the short game um, he held an absolute beaut out of mm. a tough long rough um, and got up got up and held it um, I, I think you're right I think that he'd be better hoping that the media would just leave him alone for a while good and, luck with that you know but yeah. that's but yeah. as I say look every week it's, it's another thing now mm. The other thing I suppose that we have to mention is he's now gone down into the, you know, outside the top 60. I think he's ranked 66 or 67, somewhere around Six, that. 62 this 62 week. 62 yeah, it'll, it'll be even further He's going to be gone back week. because he's not playing next week and he's mm. not playing the week after. Mm-hmm. I think he's not coming back this side of the WGC, which means that yeah. realistically he's not going to make the WGC. There's talk he might come back for the Honda Classic. and I think that might be, but that's three weeks from now. It's uh, the Tiger Woods story just keeps on rolling, and uh, you know what? Who would put it past him right now? You nearly stick a tenner on him to win the Masters, <laughs> just just because you're going to get huge odds, incredible odds, and and he's the kind of guy who probably could just go out and do it. But anyway, look, let's talk about who won last week because that's that's the Tiger Woods show, and uh, 
I do feel sorry for Jason Day because it's been slightly overshadowed about all things back and glutes. But Jason Day wins in a playoff. Um, J.B. Holmes, um, Harris English and Scott Stalling. Stallings, yeah. Uh, all three of them, all four of them get in by various different routes, but they're all there. Down the first, should it, well, firstly, let me put it this way to you, Barry. Should it have been a playoff in the first place? They all they all had their opportunities. I mean, the, I mean, I suppose the, the big talking point is JB Holmes laying up when he was two thirty five eight, and this guy's one of the longest hitters on tour. Um, I actually, you know, he's come out and said, you know, it was two thirty five eight. There's water short of the green. The bank is pretty well shaved at the front, although not enough to stop Jason Day's ball going down there in regulation. Um, there was some sorry, Jason Day shot was either a moment of madness or brilliance. Going I can't, in. Yeah, I yeah. can't work out which at I this think, point. I think madness. But, I mean, it was a brutal lie he had. But we'll get on to that and just after we go through J.B. Holmes. Thing. So, anyway, J.B. Holmes decides to lay up. He said it was a slight downhill lie. You know, he's water short of the green. Brutal rough long of the green. And, you know, bunkers left and bunkers right. And the pin and a, a bowl section at the front of the green. So, he... he he made the judgment call that it was going to be easier for him to play a shot from the middle of the fairway than it was from around the green if he got there. So he laid up and pulled his approach shot a little bit and left himself about a 19-20 footer downhill. And to be fair to him, just burnt the edge. He you know, had that put for the win. So in, into the playoff he went. Jason Day had an opportunity. He went for the green in two and ended up on the part of the rough where the... Uh, all the players walk off, so the rough's kind of growing towards him, and he's shooting back towards the water. And anyway, his ball stays just up above the water, and he chips on to the green and makes the putt for his par. So into the playoff, back to the 18th tee with Harris English and Scott Stallings. Yeah, and do you know what I? I think it was Scott Stallings or Harris English. Harris English. They both go out at the end of the first hole, yeah. anyway. But you got to question how. How badly you can lay up a ball? Because, oh, yeah. like, I can't remember. You, you might correct me here, Barry. If it was Scotty uh, Harris English or Scott Stalling, but like, he's English missing the fairway. English left. missing yeah. the fairway left. Like, okay, he did all, all right to 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 get it on the green after that. But like, you got a wide open fairway. You're you're yeah. one of the best players in the world golf. You know, you got to be just finding. If you're laying up, you got to be finding somewhere down yeah, there. It was so. a, it was a brutal error. I mean. It, Jason Day looked the coolest and calmest out of all of them on the tee. He smashed his tee shot just straight down the middle, a real great great swing. And he then, do you know, his second shot, he got a little bit lucky again. He didn't, he had a two iron. He was trying to make the green and he ended up blocking it a little bit right. And well, the, the fairy kind of loops around and, the, you know, loops around the lake. And then the, so he left, he left a shot almost green high. But if he had gone straight to the pin, the ball would have been in the water. Well, Everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I just believe everything that Nick Valdo has ever said in his life, and I'm going to agree with him on this one, because he was doing the commentary on Sunday, and mm. he said that Jason Day clearly played to go over the right-hand side and draw it back in, and that if he held it out there, it was going into the bunker, and he was backing himself to get up and down. Okay, so he hit the draw and go longer and make it. Exactly, okay. and that, that Nick's... Nick Nick Faldo, I was about to call me and my friend Nick. Me and Nick were talking, and uh, he was saying that it was it was a very good professional shot mm. because if he didn't hit it quite right, it's in the bunker. No big problem for pros like that to get up and down. If he hit it short, 
it's not going in the water it's staying where it did and if it goes perfectly he's on the green and it's perfect so in my opinion yeah he probably did get lucky but he played the percentages as well mm. which was the best the worst and the, 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 the outstanding and he and then played a ridiculous chip shot it was gorgeous oh my god it was so good he, he had very little space to land that to get that ball close he also he had to go up and he had to go up because he had the corner of the, mm. the lake so he couldn't kind of bump it around um, yeah. along the grass but uh, at that stage just again going giving the, the, the listeners who might not have um, seen it at that point, JB Holmes is is pretty pretty stitched. Like He's probably a little longer than it looked on TV, but like it's a three or four footer. It's it's for, bread for, and butter for a pro. Yeah, and uh, like at that point, you're looking at the other two lads are gone. There's a monster putt that's needed, which only just mm. burned the edge, um, and the other lad was out. So the, the stalling and uh, Harris were gone at this stage, but um, to get up and down. From Jason Day's position was just outstanding. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a it was superb, and you kind of felt things were going for him even more so with the momentum. So yeah, the two boys, Jason Day and JB Holmes, moved to the next hole, and JB Holmes just torches one over the back of the green. Just yeah, smokes like the he, six he, iron. he certainly went pin seeking. Yeah, yeah, and and to put it in perspective, Jason Day was the only player in the field on the final day to birdie that hole. Yeah. Um, it was a horrible pin position. It was back left over a tree. There was a bunker short. It was and a tower, a tower behind. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, uh, there's there's great footage where um, JB Holmes has hit his and it hits the tower and it's mm. at the base of it. And the lads in the t- uh, commentary tower say, "We can't actually tell you how this goes because." Uh, he can hear us. Yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant. They were whispering, yeah, because he was right underneath them. And the two boys were... Because they were like, they were kind of going, this should move a little left to right, yeah. uh, the putt. But <laughs> look, at the end of it, Jason Day holds out and... Yeah, uh, he made he a nice wins. par. Just two-foot par. JB Holmes missed a 15-footer <laughs> for his par. So, it was good. Um, it was it was a really good event. I thought, like, the, the, the course was just an animal on the weekend. The Torrey Pines South, it was so difficult. I mean... Just to put it in perspective, there are only 14 guys broke par in the final round. So that's how difficult this course is playing. Um, and one of those, actually, we need to talk about, Shane Larry. Yeah, well, we're going to go a little bit uh, parish pump politics here for the yeah. moment. And I apologize to anybody who's not Irish and doesn't care. But this is Shane Larry's debut on the PGA uh, Tour. Mm. He ends up finishing top 10, I think 7th overall. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Tied 7th, yeah. Tied 7th. He's now up to... Uh, I think 40th in the world I'm pretty sure it's 40th or thereabouts um, this guy is going from strength to strength and I have to say years ago when he won the Irish Open as an amateur a lot of the pros were saying this is a guy who could go very mm. very far in this game and he's another young Irish player and that, that tournament was on in absolutely brutal conditions I mean just you may as well have been playing in tornadoes with rain. It was just atrocious. And he seems to love really, really challenging, tough courses. Kind of like Jason Day loves them. Just the harder, the better. I, I, well, he's right. a thinking golfer. He's a thinking golfer rather than just boom it down the middle and, and then have a wedge in. Mm. Bubba Watson. Uh, <laughs> but the thing I, I, I remember last year when we were talking about the Ryder Cup and players... And a lot of the pe- people who were out in, in the Twitter fear, fear and all of the, the pros who were talking were saying that Shane Lowry, though he didn't get a wild card in the end, is going to be a stalwart 
when it comes to Ryder Cup for Europe because he's just that he's just that good and mm. he's, he is going to go from strength to strength and he really has what a confidence booster to start your run in the States you know because he's going to give the PGA Tour a go this year like you said and to go out there week one on a really difficult course you're playing three rounds on Torrey Pines I mean th- this was the first tournament since the Quicken Loans National in July of last year to have a winning score in single digits under par so it was really really tough and that includes one round on the easy north course. So, look, that's it. what a confidence booster. He's he's driven up. He's gone on a drive with his caddy Dermot Byrne up to Pebble Beach this week. You know what a place to go to as a as a reward. And of course, listeners to the show know that uh, Shane Lowry is a good friend of the show, and uh, we've obviously had his caddy on chatting away to us in the past. But it uh, it's it's just great to see. I'm delighted mm. for him because you know he's such a nice guy, and uh, hopefully this, they show some shots of his this week. They didn't get very much uh, in terms of screen time last week. No, and that's that's a real. I suppose the American listeners can come back to us on this at at podcast GTS. Um, but it seems to me like that seems to always be the way until yeah. he breaks through and people know him, and yeah. hopefully a top seven few interviews and the the golf network will know who he is that's kind of the way that's kind of the way they do the the golf coverage on the pga tour i mean the it seems like the director for the day picks the storylines pick what picks what golfers are going to follow and they just show them and that's it and very little gets in around that storyline they pick for the day well before we move on i i have to mention because it was just an outrageously poor round of golf and talk about a man with yips but uh glover's putting is yeah. it the worst that you've ever seen by a pro? Well, since you on Saturday, yeah. No, it was it. Thanks for making me sound like a pro, but <laughs> I, I did say, is that the worst that oh you've ever seen God. a pro put? I, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's really sad to see. He is, he's struggling big time. He was seven strokes behind the field average in putting for the weekend. And he's just got this jerky little short back swing. And he's almost hit, Stabby. he's almost hitting the ball rather than stroking it. It's, it's, it's proper. There's no other word. There's proper yips. Like he's, it, the muscles are not functioning. The brain's not functioning. It's not communicating. No, and well. then I think it was on the 18th. He had like an absolute tiddler. You know, it's it's it, yeah. it's it's close your eyes and you're gonna make it distance. Yeah, and he so. he rammed it so hard that it couldn't but come off the backboard and out. Um, it's going to be a long week with that being the last thing you're going to remember from last week's tournament. Yeah. I mean, who, I think it was Nick. It was Fowler was saying time to switch to the claw grip. Just to get I that, that smooth yes. stroke. And they, I, as I said before, you know, uh, Nick Valdo was never wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's last week. Let's look forward to next week. And uh, the true Thailand classic presented by Black Mountain and Black Mountain Golf Club. Um, now, this is going to be another one that I will not lie to you. It's probably not going to feature too high on my radar of sports not uh, really this week. No. the only way you'll watch it is if the TV's on when you're asleep and you just kind of absorb the content yeah. through yeah. your ears look, well look let me tell you who the runners and riders are I suppose and then we'll we'll see if there's any value there Barry if uh, if you want to throw out an L suggestion to anybody we've got Alexander Noreen Noreen uh, 12 to 1 Mark Warren 12 to 1 Jahidi 14 to 1 Last week's winner twenty to one. Peter Uline twenty two to one. Uh, I'm not even going to try. Uh, Afa Bar. Afi Barnrush. That's the one. Twenty eight to one. Scott Hend, twenty eight to one. And you know what? There's a whole load of people. Thomas Bjorn twenty eight to one. She's twenty eight to one. Seems to be a popular uh, price at the moment. Um, it's it's not 
It's a, it's too, a, too many big names there. A low week. to mid-range European Tour standard field. Um, but it's a chance chance for the guys to go out and win. It's the inaugural event at this course. So it's Have a you had event. a look at the course? Or am I putting you on No, I have, on well, I have a little bit of information on the course. So it's a 7,350-yard par 72. They have Bermuda grass greens. So you know a little bit of experience with putting with grain and slope would be a big advantage. And the greens are quite, supposed to be quite slopey and running quite quick over 12 in the stint this week. Supposed to be open and quite playable, so I think it, you might see quite a tightly packed leaderboard this week with a lot of people in the hunt come Sunday. Uh, an interesting fact about the course is it was voted in the top 100 golf courses outside the US by Golf Digest, and it was also voted the best golf course in Southeast Asia in 2014. So, it might be worth picking up, uh, you know, the highlights show in the morning if you can get a chance to have a look at it because well, I, I, I love looking at beautiful golf courses and some of the backdrops on this looked pretty uh pretty stunning the the vistas around the course so look then chance chance for these guys to win um i'm not going to be having a bet on this i just there's no there's no course form there's no it's just it's just it's a bit of a throw a dart at the board so um we'll uh, we'll review next week and see where we could have put our money yeah which is always the easy way to do it and um, over stateside, the AT&T Pebble Beach, uh, this is the Pro-Am, and uh, this is always a bit of fun, and it's really more kind of for the pro- Pro-Am than really the pros. It seems to be a bit of a joking kind of week, isn't that right? Yeah, the uh, Pro-Ams are very divisive, uh, in ter- like the Pro-Ams on tour. Some people love them, some people hate them. I I, I tend to like them. I, I like seeing the amateurs getting mixed in with the, the, the top, top pros. Um, and you know it adds a bit of fun and colour and they usually have a hole where the, the pros will come and they'll talk to Peter Costas and he'll do a swing analysis on them and there's a bit of banter and back and forth and I think it adds a little bit of colour to the event that kind of differentiates it from the regular season events yeah. and I, I like I, to see them I, I, it's one of those ones if it was on every week I get annoyed mm, but mm. you know when the season hasn't really kicked off it's it's still a bit of crack um, the leaders um, on the on the betting forecast is Jimmy Walker eight to one, Jason Day eight to one, Jordan Spieth twelve to one, Dusty Johnson sixteen to one, Patrick Reed sixteen to one, Schnedeger twenty to one, uh, Hunter Mayhan twenty two to one, Ryan Palmer twenty five to one, Jim Fuhrer twenty five to one, Nick Watney thirty to one, Chris Kirk thirty to one, and then kind of going out forty to one Shane Lowry. Um, Links you know, links, links course, yeah. uh, good 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 tournament last week. Yeah, one um, thing just if anyone they, they don't play all four rounds on Pebble Beach here. They uh, they mix they play three different courses the first three days and then the final days on Pebble Beach. So the other two courses they play are Spyglass Hill and Monterey Peninsula. So uh, Monterey Peninsula is the one I think we usually put in the the really really no number. But um, look, it's uh, I love getting to see Pebble Beach because it is one of the most beautiful golf courses in the world. Um, and obviously it's you know the the site of G Max US Open win in twenty ten and Tiger's famous win and by fifteen shots. It's just a cracking so, yeah. uh, location. It's it's one of those courses, it's like St Andrews, you never get tired looking at no, Pebble Beach. Just stunning stunning coastline. I mean look it's it's gonna be a bit of fun. There's some there's a huge uh, some big A list celebrities there this week, you know, Andy Garcia, Josh Tuhamel, Don Cheadle. Wayne Gretzky's there, so I'm sure himself, he and, Dusty? himself and Dusty are going to do another saccharine sweet pure overkill, just like the yeah. one in golf.com. And 
you know, Kelly Slater, the pro surfer's there, and of course our favorite, Bill Murray. Bill Murray's there, and I think I have no doubt that uh, JP McManus is probably there, uh, an Irish. Uh, he doesn't uh, miss a program, does he? Businessman and one of the best friends to to poor Carrington, so I'm sure they're going to do it again. Mm. Um, look, I, I, I like it. It's a bit bit of fun. It's a bit of crack. It's slightly different to the normal. Um, yeah. It's it's one of those ones that, you know what, sit back and enjoy it rather than necessarily. I might throw a sneaky fiver on uh, Shane Lowry at 40-1 to 1 just because I think if... I don't know who he's playing with in the mm. pro-am, but... Just to ride the wave of his success last week. Well, he's done well last week, and he likes he likes links courses. And yeah. uh, you know what? He's the kind of guy who might go under the radar and actually go and, and mm-hmm. do something this week. I think so. another one, Hunter Mahan didn't enter the tournament last week because his wife is expecting a baby. I don't know whether she's had the baby yet, but there is a kind of a few people that think there's a very strong correlation between a newborn baby and tournament wins. So it might be worth keeping an eye on Hunter Mahan if he's just had a new baby. If you are one of those people uh, at Podcast GTS, and because uh, I'd like to know who those people are, I know on the golf betting system um, Facebook group they have one little discussion post that people put in the golfer's name and the date of birth of their most recent child, just to see if there's any, just to keep an eye on them. So, uh, look, just any. I mean, look, one theory is as good as the next when you're trying to pick a golfer to win a tournament. Well, you're trying to pick one of 150 guys. Suppose uh, then all you have to do is wait till Rory, you know, goes out with somebody and then breaks it off, and then uh, he'll start winning loads of big tournaments <laughs> again. So, yeah. look, any, anything that floats your boat and gets you through the week, I suppose, Barry. Um, well, look, that that's it for us. Um, the last couple of weeks we haven't been doing a kind of a main topic. We're we're hoping to kind of ease back into them next week. Um, We've had a lot of kind of news and bits, and mm-hmm. it's obviously myself and Barry at the moment. Um, so we've decided to kind of keep the, the main topics down. But if there is anything that anybody would like us to address um, and discuss, please let us know at Podcast GTS. That's at Podcast GTS rather than hashtag Podcast GTS. Um, or get onto our email, which is a good talk spoiled um, at gmail.com. That leaves me just to say thank you very much to everybody who's downloaded and listened. Thank you very much to Barry. Thank you to all the Twitter's comments that we get. Keep them coming. And uh, we'll talk to you again this time next week. Bye-bye, huh? Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.